Welcome to the latest episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast promoting cheap Uber rides in the vehicle of Joe Offengowie. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing Michael Cheeker's code hop, Israel Folau's New York getaway, Darius Boyd's humiliation, and also how we think the Penrith Panthers will go in 2020. But first, I am joined in the charred remains of a eucalyptus tree by a man who is so damn healthy he once snorted a shredded kale leaf from the anus of a fresh tuna fish. It's, of course, Xander Risotto. Welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for having me. That's all right, mate. Now, a big question about that. Uh, I've always wondered, was the tuna alive at the time? Because I think that could be an animal abuse issue. (laughs) (laughs) No idea how to respond to that. There is a Japanese way of killing fish in a way that uh, is more uh, hygienic and makes the the flesh last longer. Okay, so it's not about being humane to the fish. No, well, actually, it kind of is humane. Okay, and is it the same where they basically get the flopping fish and bash its head on the side of the boat? No, it's, 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 it's more Japanese. It's much more precise, as you can imagine. So okay. there's literally this, this way of killing fish as opposed to just suffocating them in nets, right. um, which isn't terribly humane, um, that they, for practical reasons of storage, uh, caught onto as, as, a, as a seafaring and fish-loving nation, which is called ikijime, which they basically will take the fish, mm. the live fish, stab it straight through the brain, then cut its guts out and clean it with uh, with fish water. And I know this sounds gross, but it, but it makes the fish last a lot better, and right. uh, it, it uh, it'll it'll like double its double its uh, sort of fridge life, and it actually tastes better because what happens? <laughs> it's and, and still going. You, 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 you've opened up a can of worms here. I really have. Please um, proceed. But but what happens is because the, the way most fish die is, is through suffocation, their their entire systems get flooded with lactic acid, which actually makes it makes their flesh rot quicker. I see. Whereas this, if you just stab them straight through the brain, mm. that never gets a chance to happen. And then if you flush out their the blood from their system by cutting them, their guts open and then you know flushing <laughs> them full of water, yeah, right. it actually preserves the meat and it tastes better. There you go, people. It's if you a- want to kill a fish, stab it in the brain. It's a very morbid note to start the NRL <laughs> podcast on, but uh, I certainly hope uh, the Australian government considers that methodology when it comes to the euthanasia debate, because uh, it sounds extremely humane to just stab the sufferer directly into the cerebral cortex. From the eyeball. It's a, it's a very violent Rex Hunt uh, methodology, I have yeah. to say. I mean, you could kiss them and throw them back in the ocean, but they probably <laughs> wouldn't last long. <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks since we've been on the show. Have you had any exciting stories for the listeners to share? I thought that story kind of qualified as something <laughs> exciting to tell the listeners. <laughs> no, mate, that's, don't, don't get the fish story in the brain wrong. I loved it, and I'm sure the listeners loved it too. I just didn't know if you know you were up to, you'd seen any sporting events or... Um, I did go to the, um, the Sixers game against the, uh, the Melbourne Renegades. Renegades. Yeah, the Renegades. That was a good game. Yeah, that was yeah. great fun. And you know, Steve this Smith. is kind of destroying the illusion. We are great mates off the show, but uh, we both went to that game, but not together. No, no. Yeah. No, I wasn't invited to your private corporate box. <laughs> mate, we can't all get corporate you boxes. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, mate. I threw some loose change down off the ledge, uh, which I hope you bought a hot dog with. No, I don't eat hot, hot dogs. No, that's right, because you're very healthy. You're too busy breathing in fish anus. <laughs> You wouldn't want that. Um, Mate, uh, look, for for what it's worth, I have a bit of a story for the listeners and yourself, obviously. Uh, After work on Thursday, it's obviously a long weekend, um, it's a a big night to go out and get on it a little bit, uh, which is what I decided to do with a couple of work colleagues. But on my way there, I was walking to the pub down King Street, Newtown, and uh, I had my iPod on. iPod, that sounds very Your early. iPod. My, 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 uh, I had some tunes going, yeah. basically. And I was listening to a nice uh, 90s mix. Anyway, I've pressed the button at the, this set of lights. And I may have been very ever so slightly bobbing a little bit to George Michael. Right? I, I think I was bobbing like overtly. I think it was very subtle. You've been known to do that. I, yeah, and I, sometimes the rhythm takes control, as you know. Um, but anyway, so I've locked eyes with this other person uh, in the opposite direction who's waiting at the lights as well. It's this old guy who I could very clearly see was abusing me, right? But I can't hear him because I've got my earphones in. But I've locked eyes. I think I think he's yelling. Yeah, I can detect the words cunt and fuck a lot coming out of his mouth. 
Um, and I thought, that's a bit weird. And I thought, I wonder if he's directing it at me. And I looked around and I was the only person waiting to cross. And I thought, oh, well, I won't make a big deal of it. And uh, I sort of looked around and continued listening to my tunes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the light goes green. And I look forward again, and he's very clearly still mouthing off at me, uh, potentially because he didn't like my George Michael moves. I don't know. Um, anyway, as we get closer to each other, he shapes up to be. Like, this is about, a, I'd say, a 65, 70-year-old man, quite a lot shorter than I was, so I wasn't scared. But he shaped like he was about to pack down in a scrum and almost tried to tackle me. And I remember thinking in that moment, <laughs> I, I did the right thing. I stepped aside and let him continue to abuse me and I walked on. But I remember thinking, what would society say about me if I decided just to put a hit on him just in that to, moment? Just to uppercut him in the, in the middle of the street as he was crossing the light and let him get run over. It would have been the wrong thing to do, right? Because would, it, would it though? Well, I mean, from what, my point of view at the time, I thought it was entirely justified. <laughs> I, it actually it went through my mind for about half a second. Yeah. Right? I don't think I'd really have done it. Uh, but it did, and, and, he, and he did have a, uh, a long neck in one hand, it kind of indicated to me he might be a little bit drunk, I thought, mm. let this one pass. This is the final cap of the story though, right? Because I, I was going to get something to eat before I went to the pub. I stopped in at a Olay chicken shop, by the way, great Portuguese chicken for anyone listening. Ordered my burger, sat down at the table. The table happened to be near the big windows, mm. and I looked out, and he's bailed up someone at the ice cream shop across the, <laughs> across the road, and he's looking at me and pointing at me and still abusing the fuck out of me. <laughs> What the fuck did I do to him? All I did so it was... It used to be me that attracted the attention of these nutters. I know. Mate, but for another podcast, we've got to tell them some of your stories over the years. You've had some crackers. Uh, but look, we will dive right into topic one. Now, not a club to rest on its laurels, Xander. The Roosters have called in more reinforcements in the wake of Adam O'Brien's departure to the Knights. Most notably, the appointment of Michael Cheeker on a short-term advisory role. Robinson had this to say when asked about the appointment... He said, he's helping to push myself and the assistant coaches to improve and challenge our ideas and help push us again in 2020. So Xander, my first question to you, mate, is this the right move for the Roosters, given the club's recent successes and Michael Cheeker's lack of success recently? Yeah, I got to admit, when I saw this story, I, I, I was concerned. As somebody who does does follow rugby as well, I, um, I'm, I'm very across Michael Cheeker's uh, Checkered career. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> just couldn't help myself. But he, you know, like he, he is clearly a guy who's got a genuine uh, ability to, to, to man manage and, and get, you know, a, a certain response out of teams. But I think he's I'm trying to think who, who he'd be a bit like in, in the NRL. NRL terms. Yeah. Like he, he, he's, Paul McGregor? <laughs> no, he'd probably be more. Um, he strikes me as a bit more of a Jeff Toovey. In a okay. funny sort of way, so like, slightly deranged. Yeah, a little bit deranged. Punch drunk. Yeah, like he's the kind of guy that, uh, like, I think gets passionate every team. You know, team he yells and screams a lot, and mm. you know, but at the same time he defends his guys and backs them to the hilt. Um, like, so he's very loyal. Of very all loyal to his guys, right? But you know, a little bit unhinged. Yeah, well, sometimes you need a bit of that unhinged nature mm. in a coach, don't you? Because you can have people who are too placid. Yeah, um, a la Matty Elliott. Give big shout out if you're listening, Maddie. Who just seemed a bit too chilled in their role, yeah. even when they'd lost twelve in a row. They never really <laughs> pumped up. You don't want that. No, no. So it's about striking that balance. But I mean, you've obviously followed the rugby union a bit closer than I do. What what are his big achievements in the last twelve months? Say, for example, in the last twelve months has been <laughs> there have been no achievements. Has the cupboard been quite bare? Because that was my impression. Yeah. No. Like, well, the Wallabies got bundled out of the uh, the World Cup in the quarterfinals by England in, in pretty embarrassing fashion, and they were pretty awful. Like, he he took over in 2015 after uh, t uh, taking the Waratahs to their first title in the history of Super Rugby in 2014. So he'd had a great... And he'd, and he'd taken a, a similar side in Ireland to the European Championship before that. Right. So he'd had this great pedigree of, of achieving things for a while there. You know, I think and he, then went off the cliff. And then he, then, then he stayed as Wallaby coach and, and basically um, you know, tried to manage the Australian rugby setup and it just turned into an absolute debacle. One thing I don't like about him uh, is that he did have this... Uh, like he, he really died in a ditch over playing style. Like he, he had the right, a man with good intentions. He wanted to play expansive running rugby and he wanted it to be entertaining to win back the crowds and all the rest of it. Mm. But people don't really care if you've got, you're, you're playing running uh, high tempo rugby if you're fucking if losing every, every single game, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like yeah. If, you, if you're getting pumped every game, then 
the, the style matters less than the result. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't matter how many chainsaws you juggle with the, with yeah. the, with the gilbert and, um, if you're getting pumped. And, that, and that's just it, right? So, I mean, he, he had a really, really um, dogged uh, mindset about playing, running, attacking rugby. Well, this is a great segue, right? Mm. So that's my question. Is that kind of dogged mindset something that the Roosters want around the club? Because obviously it doesn't seem like we're struggling in terms of success. Um, from what I understand, actually, and it was apparently at uh, Robinson's invitation, mm. um, that he's going to help out the club with attack in particular. Mm. I mean, is he going to be seen as an asset? I mean, you're really painting a picture of someone who has a mindset that could potentially be damaging. Is he too big a risk? No, I mean, so to be fair to, to, to Checo, I think he came across as being really belligerent um, through the World Cup and the last couple of years of rugby, and you know having disagreements with with the exec and all the rest of it. And the media. Yeah, and the, well, that's that's right. Like the belligerence toward the media in particular. But that was because he was running the show. Some of the inside word is that he was trying to take the pressure off the playing group by making it all about himself. Mm. Um, you know, whether or not that's true, I don't know. But but ultimately, he was he was front and center. As a kind of backroom advisor, maybe it's not such a big deal. I mean, he's, he's really just being asked for, for some ideas here and there. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think it'll be damaging, but I also wonder, um, you know, if he's, after having a guy like Adam O'Brien, uh, O'Brien who did such a stellar job with our attack, if, if there's going to be any improvement. Well, it's interesting you say that about the attack, right? Because I've been pretty vocal on this show uh, in suggesting that the Roosters, as, as amazing as they've been, I do think there's scope for improvement with our hands on the ball. I think we've, particularly last year in the big pressure games, mm. it was our defence entirely. I think that yep. really um, got us off the hook in a lot of those games. I think arguably we, I know the stats might not necessarily back this up, but at least in the big games, we I think attacked better in 2018 than we did in 2019. We were exceptional in defence. The so, stats don't back that up, though. Yeah, right? I know. But yeah. again, I think I'm referencing when when the going gets tough. Mm. I know that we had some huge wins against some pretty ordinary opponents yeah, no, at times. It's, it's fair. Yeah, but I'm, I think in those big games which were genuine contests, mm. it was certainly our defensive line that we led with. Mm. We were very tight with the ball, I thought. Um, but that's interesting. So he's come in to help work on the attack. So... I actually think that he's come into an area where the club can improve is what I'm mm. saying. I don't, you wouldn't want someone to come in and meddle with our defensive mentality, yeah. that's for sure. Um, but, you know, it strikes me that, you know, getting a, a guy that's just coached the Wallabies to this horrible chapter in history, um, to get him to come in and advise you on success, I don't know, it's a bit like um, asking Bradley John Murdoch to help identify some good road trips across the Red Centre. <laughs> it just seems a bit weird, um, but that, look, that's just me. What, what I do like about Checker, and he, when he was a, the Waratahs coach, he was like, I think he had a relationship with uh, Robinson back then. Yeah, I think it goes back a few years. And, yeah. and you know, he, he grew up on, on League and Union. He was like a lot of the sort of Eastern Suburbs kids. Like my brother was the same. He played both, you know, mm. growing up. Um you know, and, and I think he genuinely like like Eddie Jones, who same played in the same club with him in, in Union. They actually yeah. genuinely love rugby league as well, so they bring a lot of, you know, like they they understand the game and they 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 probably you know he, he's not going to be like a uh, a died in the wall sort of you know North Shore rugby type who would have no idea how to uh, structure his advice or or you know attack plans. He, he watches the game, he so not a complete it. alien to rugby league. No, no, you yeah. know, and he's cross pollinated himself in Union. Yeah, right. Well, that's interesting. You mentioned Eddie Jones because I was wondering if this is just another step in the sort of Checker Jones rivalry because we know <laughs> that apparently Eddie Jones got Ricky Stewart to observe a couple of yeah, um, yeah. his matches, England's matches in the World over, Cup. In yeah. the World Cup, exactly. So this idea of cross pollinating the codes is not new, mm. and we know that they have a bit of a rivalry. Is this just Chica going, well, I can do it too, mate? Well, no, I, I don't think it is. I think it's... Well, because the, the invite came from, from Robinson, right? So it's... Allegedly. Not, yeah, allegedly. But, <laughs> but you know, they, they both do that a fair bit. I remember at the time when, when I heard about Ricky Stewart um, doing that, it pissed me off because... I kind of thought, well, that's exactly what Czech should be doing. He should bring in guys like Robinson and you know mm. Bellamy and all the rest of it to work with his side yep. instead of you know having the English take our coaching talent from the NRL. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he might be onto a good thing. Yeah. Well, this is my little thing. As a staunch rugby league man, I'm wondering, should the two codes even be fraternising like this? Because I love it when rugby union and rugby league just fucking hate each other. That's the status quo I want. <laughs> and I don't like this idea of... You know, inviting other people from the other side of the ledge in. I'd share your sentiment, but I think rugby union is in such a poor 
state of health. Like, I mean, it, it's it really at this point, it's like getting um, insights from touch football, frankly. Well, that's the, you know, I think that's a great point as well, Zen. So, could this be seen as uh, more of an act of charity on behalf of the NRL to let someone from the rugby union fraternity in and pretend to help? You know, in the same way you might get uh, someone who might have an intellectual disability, for example, to come and help with your accounts at the business. <laughs> you give them a big crayon and a big bit of A3 paper. I don't think you, I don't think you get them to help with your accounts. Maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're meeting planner i don't know <laughs> well it's true though because rugby union as you've quite rightly identified is struggling a little mm. bit in australia I a think little they've, bit <laughs> they've struggled i think they're now the uh, 57th most popular sport just behind sheep drafting fox um, have just sacked their um chief uh, uh rugby correspondent that's right was it nick mccardle nick mccardle yeah. right he got the boot yeah and he, he was genuinely good <laughs> well did, i think they've put a bit of a cleaner through uh even a, a bit of rugby league i hear mark gasnier has moved, been moved yeah, on. Yeah, but that's 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 improving the product in the NRL. <laughs> that's a bit like delousing your yeah. hair, isn't like, it? Like rugby are going to be, you know, Nick McArdle was the sensible voice in the room. Now they're going to be, you know, like stuck with Tim Horan who can barely string two words together. I'd like to apologise to McArdle for comparing him to Mark. <laughs> I think you should. Like, it's 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 like I mean, it, the 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 uh, analogy would be like getting rid of Warren Smith. Okay, yeah. Right. A sensible, you know, professional sportscaster mm. who um, makes sure that the, the former football players keep on topic and don't eat each other, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I actually quite enjoy the carnivorous aspect to X-rate <laughs> league players, but um, it's good that Warren Smith can keep them in line. Now, as we do on the show as well, Xander, we often put these uh, very vexing topics out there to social media, and we asked our listeners, was the Roosters' decision to appoint Michael Checker it's, to its coaching staff a smart move? Uh, and 35.8% said yes, while 64% said no. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't so, surprise me. Yeah, there's, a, there's certainly a lot of anti-union sentiment still out there. I think, there I the think it could also just frankly be anti-checker sentiment because he, he rubbed so many people the wrong way toward the back end of last year. Mm. Quite yeah. literally, I heard there were some bad hand jobs, <laughs> which is a problem. Well, I just hope... Um, He's a cookie, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I hope I never meet him in person because he will thump me for saying that. <laughs> Um, and he's, he's quite, a, seems he's quite a strong. scary-looking man. <laughs> well, I just hope he's more successful than Alan Jones, Xander, because uh, when he came oh, across to coach some league in the late 80s and early 90s, uh, and I also doubly hope that uh, Chica avoids the fatal mistake of delivering team tactics while the lads were naked in the showers. Yeah. More after this. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Now, Xander, the chief executive... Uh, of the new New York Rugby League franchise, uh, which joins the British Rugby League competition this season, has reportedly made overtures to sign the controversial bushfire conspiracy theorist Israel Folau. Um, They want to add him to their books, apparently. Now, uh, a few news reports have been circulating that CEO Ricky Wilby, um, he hasn't tabled an offer to him formally, but has indicated he'd like to include him in the future. My question to you would be, would Folau accept a position playing in a comp which is quite a few divisions down from what he's been playing in rugby. I I suspect he'll accept the offer because he's not getting any others. He'd uh, play for anything right now. I think he, he I think he would, and you know, like he, he's he's been trying to get it back into any sort of playing contract for a while. I mean, he's got to, he's got to top up that um, that, that church fund. His dad's <laughs> clearly dipping into to to expand their their uh, interesting little empire that they're building. Um, is it fair to say that uh, Israel Folau at this point? Hmm. If he ends up accepting this offer, that he would have accepted an offer from basically anyone. I mean, would he have accepted a role as a coach for an over-80s women's balloon corps lawn bowl club, for example? I think if they'd offered him the right amount of money, probably. <laughs> the right amount of tokens yeah. at the bar? Uh, he's, you know, like he, him, him and his family seems to me are clearly all about the money and screwing people over from everything we've seen. Mm. Um, so I think, he, I think he wouldn't, and he'd probably just embarrass their, their organisation by posting a bunch of crazy shit online. He <laughs> um, yeah, could really close a few lawn bowl clubs down, couldn't he? he well, I mean, you know, you never know. Lawn bowl membership, you might actually improve it. You never know. Um, but but <laughs> I, I think it's appropriate, though. I mean, if he, if he like, what's, how, how old is Folau now? He'd be, what, um, 34? Uh, in Jesus' years? I think 59,000 BC. He's going to be 31. Wow. So he's, he's still he's got a couple of years in him. than I thought. Yeah, yeah. He just, um, he just has the haggard look of an old, poorly uh, lived man. I don't know. What's the term <laughs> I'm looking for here? A man, um, a, man, a man who hasn't looked after himself or his brain. So he's, he's 31. If he plays this year, like he's probably got as a fullback, you know, maybe three years left. Mm. So he could retire just making Division One Super League. 
I mean, here's the thing. I know he's playing a few divisions down for a New York franchise if this deal goes ahead. Mm. But my question is, is, has he still got it? Because he hasn't played rugby league in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll, um, I don't think he'll, he'll have uh, forgotten how to play footy um, mm. over the course of the last 18 months. Um, but you do have to wonder, right? Like, I mean, that, that conditioning, they said, oh, he's training, but it's not the same, you know, you know when you, yourself when you've played football, like, mm. you know, it's, it's not the same when you're just keeping fit for your own, like, general health as it is when you're training with a team. Yeah, exactly. I know when I used to play competitive 10-pin bowling, um, I knew when I took a season off, especially under the air conditioning, I used mm. to wilt. Um, <laughs> particularly if I tried to pick up a 7-10 split, I, 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 couldn't, I didn't have it anymore. So I don't know if Falau will experience the same kind of challenges as I did. Um, I mean, it's probably in a funny sort of way, though, playing like third, fourth division British rugby league, rugby league, you know, he'll, he'll look like a, a superstar regardless because he'll be playing against guys who, who, who have, you know, have to get back to their shift at the bar yeah, exactly. <laughs> after, after the match. Who may have been recruited and they don't even know why yet. Yeah. They've been given some kind of $10 incentive to turn up. So yeah, he's gonna he's gonna look all right. But the thing is, it's, it, that that actually uh, kind of supports your your broader point because he'll play a couple of years against part timers. Mm. Then he'll be thirty three, thirty four by the time he hits the big time. Like he'll have not played top flight football yeah. since you know basically twenty eighteen really because mm. he was he, he barely played it you know half the season for the Waratahs before he got sacked for being a fuckwit. Will he be turning to Jesus to sort of recoup some of that stamina? I mean, if he starts to wilt under the sun and doesn't quite have the same level of skill that he used to have, could it be a case of he might actually bend his knee to the almighty when he's playing? It'd be interesting if he did that under the highball. I'd love to um, see it. Just, just randomly closed his eyes and started praying instead of trying to catch it like he used to. That's right. Um, and then if it, when it hit him in the some, head. Some great Falcon opportunities, I'm <laughs> exactly. sure. Exactly. Now, I know that, um, obviously, the Toronto Wolfpack recruited Sonny Bill Williams, and... He's still he's a great player, not putting him in the same category. But I think they obviously recruit him as well because he's an excellent marketing tool. Um, one would imagine that it's not the same kind of marketing that you're going to get with Israel Folau for this new New York franchise. Is that I mean, was that part of their thinking? Surely it wasn't, right? Because he could only be a PR headache. Yeah, I, I don't I don't quite get it to be honest. I think I think if the side was based out of Texas. <laughs> I was going to say. Recruit somebody like Falau, but yeah. new, like cosmopolitan American cities like New York and San Francisco. Not really his bag, do you, is it? Do you really want to you know, bring in the guy that hates the gays? He could have thrived in Montgomery, Alabama, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure about New York City, mate. Yeah. Somewhere that's uh, on the Bible Belt would have been I mean, a great brand you, fusion. You're going to generate some headlines, but I mean, if, you, if you're trying to win over a populace who've never watched the game before... Mm. Signing somebody who goes against the political current of that city <laughs> seems it, a little bit of an interesting... Could it be in marketing terms like when a brand tries to... They're already a niche sport in New York. Mm. Maybe they're trying to find the niche audience in New York, which would be the non-liberal sort of gay-hating evangelicals. Is there, is, there, is there potentially a marketing strategy behind this after all, is what I'm asking? Oh, they've already got the Giants. Oh, of course. That's right. So <laughs> actually, there's no need for that at all. If they wanted to be interesting, they they should probably should have tried to um, uh, offer a contract to Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> Why didn't they do that? The, the NFL aren't giving him a run. Given the payout that um, Falau managed to weasel out of Rugby Australia as well, Xander, do you think at this stage he's just a rich enough man to simply purchase a team and play for that instead? Does he need to keep pitching his services when he has the money to actually create the team himself? No, I suspect um, like those those. Those heavily religious families, I suspect he's lost a lot of that money already to his to his family and his church. Mm. You know, like I said, building an empire. But isn't he the church? I right. mean, it feels no. like it's going into his central bank, isn't it? It's his dad's, right? It's all in the all in the family. Right? Yeah, it is. Um, but you know, like I mean, what, I remember reading something about him opening up parishes here and there, and mm. parishes in commas. Yeah, it it, it it has it's redolent of Scientology, right? Like they're they're a religion, so they can they can raise money without being taxed. Yeah, right. Um, like, cause it's a, it's a weird loophole. Yeah, it's a weird branch of Christianity. You know, I don't know. They, they, I'm they... now an independent contractor for God myself. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, you can earn as much money as you want. You don't have to pay it back to anyone. And, of course, if you end up molesting someone, you can get off that too. Not that I need that, by the way. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, um, that's just, an interesting it's just good reason to, know it's to, there. To, to go for the religion option. <laughs> now, I, I mean, if he were to play for his own team or create his own team, what franchise would he likely create? I mean, for me... I don't know, he might create the Fremantle Falau fuckwits, for example, um, and just kick around, kick around the ball with his straight gay-hating mates. I don't know what kind of crowd it would draw. 
In Fremantle? <laughs> well, if he does end up forming his own team, his own fundamentalist religious comp out of Fremantle, my advice is to forego the presence of ball boys on the sidelines. History has shown they don't mix well with the religious types. More after this. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Now, the Brisbane Broncos, Xander, have decided to strip Darius Boyd of his captaincy and instead give it to Alex Glenn. Um, here's what coach Anthony Seabold had to say when asked why he made the decision. He said, Darius did a terrific job as captain over the last 12 months in challenging times. But one thing I saw throughout the year was that for whatever reason, there was a lot of external noise and pressure around Darius. Probably because he's shit. Ultimately, he handled it quite well, I thought, but I also thought it was pretty unforgiving. Darius is a legend of our club and a legend of our game, and I just wanted to take some of those commitments away. Now, uh, was this a good move by the Broncos to dump him as captain? And despite what Seabold has just said, is that just a euphemism for Darius has been pretty poor? I just loved that, that entire quote. I thought that was fantastic. Um, I think it's obviously the right decision, but <laughs> but you gotta you gotta love when when a coach or you know an employer or somebody like that gives gives somebody they've effectively demoted or sacked a huge rap and and, and talked about how well they've they've done in the position because mm. the you know like the the act is directly contradicting um, the explanation they're giving for it. I just I, love you know, it. I just think it's <laughs> proverbially called the shit sandwich, yeah, isn't it? Like it. when you go look and then you start off with a slight critique. Um, you know what's been good, and then you finish off with a little compliment, or is it the other way around? I th- no, I think you start with a compliment, you move into a criticism, and then you finish with a compliment. That's, that's right. That's the shit sandwich. Yeah. Although you didn't get much of the shit in that sandwich, it was mainly no, just well, bread. The 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 uh, the shit was the demotion. I think <laughs> exactly. The <act> itself. <laughs> you know. Um, now look, Seabold's also indicated Xander that Boyd's been one of the best trainers this preseason. Uh, do you think he might be onto something there that uh, Darius Boyd should just become a trainer instead and not a player? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do, just let him do that full time. Just don't come on the field. I think the the Broncos would probably benefit from that. I think so. Just 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 have him that you know try and keep the tempo up for the players when they're when they're training. Mm. I, I do love it when you when you do hear teams you know they talk about how incredibly well they've trained in this the off season and all the rest of it, and then they get hammered <laughs> <in> round one. <laughs> Shit. It's just like <laughs> it's such a meaningless thing to say. It's just you know yeah because it also implies that there are some teams are just on the piss. Yeah. You know I'm pretty sure they're all training hard. It's just whether or not they have good players most so, of the time. I mean not all of them are training hard. I mean, Latrell Mitchell wasn't training hard. Exactly there exceptions with Darius Boyd as well I think one thing that comes to mind it's a great decision to make if you're thinking about cutting him entirely from the team because obviously it's a lot harder to dump a player when he's your captain so I'm thinking this could be the step one phase in terminating Darius Boyd's contract do you think that might be in thinking of the Brisbane Broncos up there I don't think their future has him in their plans it could be a little bit of a um Maybe he's taking a leaf out of Bennett's book and, and giving him a rap on, on the way to getting rid of him. Like, uh, Bennett, Bennett did. loves that. Yeah, like Bennett did with Adam Dewey at the back end of last season, talked about what a wonderful player he was, and now he's just giving him the arse. He was his great friend right up oh, until he sacked him. I wonder, because he is one of those players that has been a part of the club for, you know, well, I mean, he went to Newcastle and all the rest of it, but mm. I, I think he is still loved by a lot of the administration, but... Mm. in That said, in hiring Seabold, they did show that they were willing to... I think go for credentials over sentiment. You know, they would, otherwise they would have given it to Kevin Walters or or Wayne Bennett. Yeah, uh, but uh, they didn't. They went for data, right? You know? Yeah, this is sort of a bit of a turning point, I guess, in the mm. Brisbane Broncos history, right? Because I think Alex Glenn, uh, if I'm right, is the first captain who of the club who didn't come from Queensland. He's yeah, a New Zealand-born yeah. player. So as much as... I think Alex Glenn is a very good decision, actually, because he is one of those guys. He's a one-club player. I think he's played in excess of 260 first-grade games for the club. So he's an obvious choice. But I think historically, Brisbane have tended to go with, you know, homegrown. Mm. So this is a sort of a bit of a fork-in-the-road moment for the club, maybe. Well, you know, they, they just have... They haven't had success for, what, since 2006. Mm. And um, they're not... Very on. nearly in 2015. They did, Yeah. Big in, shout out to Ben Hunt. <laughs> in, in what was an incredible grand final, um, but yeah, they they still they still haven't haven't managed to crack it in, in almost fifteen years. Um, so you you do have to start looking at, at the old ways of doing things and whether or not they're working anymore. And yeah. the knock on them has been that they're one you know sort of club town that they're all rock stars up there and it's, they, they feel like they can't do anything wrong even when they suck because mm. there's no competition. I think a big part of that has been the success of the Melbourne Storm. I mean, as much oh, as yeah, we yeah, say they're a, yeah. a one-club city, they're really not. They're really a two-club town because 
Melbourne Storm have all of their feeder tentacles yeah. enmeshed in, in the Queensland Cup. So yeah, yeah. as much as Brisbane used to get the fruits of that entirely, now it's sort of been split in two. Oh, yeah. Um, so in a way, it's probably diluted their, their effectiveness mm. a little bit. And obviously, we can see the, the mm. fruits of that down south of the border. Um, but I, I really do genuinely mm. think it is a turning point for the club. As you said, they've, they've moved on beyond Wayne Bennett. I mean, who would have thought they'd ever proactively do that mm. I don't think necessarily it was the right call actually but they've done it anyway and they seem to be moving in a different direction here with with Darius Boyd on the chop do you think that um, Darius Boyd at this stage should go back to what he did for the rest of his career and just go back to trying to follow Wayne Bennett wherever he goes because ever since he hasn't been paired up with Wayne was the moment he became really really shit yeah it'd be interesting I'd, I'd love to see him go down and and uh Take the fullback position at South from Latrell <laughs> Mitchell. Just... You could see Wayne doing it, couldn't you? Going, I know we've paid a lot for you, Latrell, but um, my love child Darius needs to take your spot. My love child, uh, <laughs> he's definitely the backroom sprog, isn't yeah, he? I mean, something like that. I feel like it was a Wayne Bennett affair, like twenty, like thirty odd years ago, um, and he's felt it's felt like a, a, a due diligence ever since. All right, let him in, and over time, he's mm. gr- he's grown to love him. <laughs> Now, it is horrible to see. Darius Boyd's obviously been a great player for a long time. Um, I was a fan of him at one stage, just not in the last three seasons necessarily. And it is horrible to see a player go well past his best. We've seen it in other sports. We did it mm. with Muhammad Ali. Went, he went many fights too far, and, and we've seen the results of that. Um, except, obviously, Boyd's getting belted a lot more than he did. Um, I'd say with his case, it's more like Phil Hughes batting on. Darius Boyd hasn't indicated that he's wanted to go of his own volition. I'm just wondering... Gen- in general terms, what do you think should be the signs a player goes, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually hang up the boots myself here, even if I'm not pushed? I think when they, you know, frankly, when they stop, when, when, it, when it starts feeling uh, like a chore to go to training, you know, I think. Yeah, a lot of players talk about that, yeah. actually. Yeah, when they... Like, they just, yeah, yeah. They're, they're over it. Like, and you, you hear players who have retired. And I think, like, Darius, I don't know, I can't, you know, you can't sort of speak for how he's feeling about it, but he's he played with a level of indifference in the last couple of seasons. It just looks like a guy who's not enjoying his footy and hundred percent. It is, isn't as committed as he once was. Where so I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that you know, thing like gen like genuinely, he's got a young family now. Maybe other things are just more important to him. Whereas football was everything to him previously, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I, that could be well. It. And as you said, that training thing seems to be the the first preliminary indicator for so many players. Mm. Where one time they jumped out of bed because they were psyched to go there, mm. and suddenly it becomes like work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, with Boyd in particular, I've seen games where he. Definitely his body language was, I'm at work and yeah. I wish I was at home. I yeah. mean, last season in particular, there was about two or three occasions where someone had kicked through the ball. This is when he was playing at fullback. And he literally didn't put his body on the line. Yeah. He could yeah. tell on his face, he went, that would hurt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and he, there, was a, there was a lack of, I mean, you know, their defence throughout the season wasn't great. And there was a lack of commitment, particularly from him on a, on a number of efforts. And yeah, you, you do kind of wonder. I mean, the very fact actually that they're talking about how well he's training kind of tells you that he hasn't been training that well in the last couple of years because you know yeah. you don't you don't really bring up how well somebody's been training unless you've yeah. got nothing else nice yeah. to say about them. <laughs> do you know like that person who might be in a maths class and it's like, well, he's he's doing his homework. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. I mean, he still can't do long. I mean, if, if he's as dumb as shit. If they're new to a club, they often talk about it, right? Like, if yeah. if a player has just come to a club and they hit the training paddock mm. and they're just like they're setting new levels for everyone else, then you you, you comment on that. But for somebody who's been around for a while, mm. it's a, you know like. What, why do you mention it? You, yeah. you know what he trains like. I feel like it's part of that <laughs> shit sandwich. It's yeah. to say something nice. Afterwards, I'm not entirely sure. Do you think that having uh, back on Alex Glenn, do you think having a New Zealand-born captain will be a problem for the state of Queensland or Brisbane specifically? Do you think they'll take to that okay, not having a Queenslander there? If, they tend to be quite parochial yeah, kind it, of people. It'll it'll be one of those things where if they're doing all right, they won't give a shit. But if they aren't, it'll be all the Kiwis' fault. Yeah, exactly. It'll just suddenly be just rabid yeah. racism. Yeah, and, um, and and you see that in Australia more broadly. Like you know you. Like frankly, I remember. I remember um, not to jump uh, to to the the enemy code, mm. uh, but Union when they had um, their last Kiwi coach, Robbie Deans, um, th- th- he was copying all kinds of criticism for not being able to to beat the All Blacks to the point where they were saying that uh, he was like a Kiwi plant. 
like uh, kind of okay. igno- ignoring like the Manchurian candidate. Yeah, ignoring the fact that no one had beaten the Kiwis in Australia for twenty years. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, like, it's not really his fault, right? No, but, but it was back then when yeah. they were losing. So you, you do wonder about that kind of sentiment. It seems to cut across sports, like Kiwis. so potentially that the whole yeah. city of Brisbane could turn on Alex Glenn. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they'll run him out of town and tell him to go back to the Warriors or something. Well, like they all hop on one of those old like station wagons with the pitchforks in the air. I hope they do because that's my that's how that's, I that's my pick. mental image of Brisbane exactly, as well. <laughs> exactly. uh, my only final thought is: uh, should they bring back Wally Lewis, one of the great captains, just to ease them through this period? To play or to, to mentor? <laughs> I just wasn't I'm sure. Just wondering. I'm wondering, even at his age, they might just need someone who's a genuine leader. I'd love to see it. He could do the Cooper Cronk. Yeah. What for Brisbane? And especially, I tell you what, he's got a slightly different playing areas. I tell you what, he has a hell of a sidestep mid seizure. Welcome back to the voluntary tackle. The West's Tigers, Xander, who knew they signed someone? In fact, they signed a few people, uh, all from the same family, as it turns out. The Leilua brothers, uh, not to be confused with other sets of brothers in the circus world. Um, they are a rugby league playing uh, group of brothers. Oh, I should say pair of brothers. Um, now, the first one was Luciano Lalua, who went from the Dragons. They signed him a little while ago, and it's just been confirmed this morning that they've officially landed the signature of Joey Lalua, uh, which will certainly give them some grunt, quite literally. He does grunt like a wild animal at times. Like a wombat, I think. He kind of looks a bit like one, doesn't <laughs> he? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, often he looks a bit like roadkill in defence as well. So there's a lot of symmetries <laughs> between Joey Lalua and wombats. Um, but I guess to come back to the West Tigers specifically, is this a good move to sign these brothers? Oh, absolutely it is. Um, is that just because yeah. they needed to sign someone? They, I mean, you know, I think I think uh, like Joey in particular is one of the genuine strike centres in, in the competition, probably. you know, he, Yeah, he'd have to be one of the best easily in the top two or three. Um, I mean, he's got the strength of eight men. He does. There's no know, doubt about like, that. Like, it's, it's a worry for the Raiders, right? Like, you know, that they've lost him because he, I think he was such a big part of their success mm. uh, throughout throughout 2019. Look, we've talked about it. He's got this he's a double-edged sword in mm. a way, Joey Lalua, isn't he? Because he can be so destructive. Um, but he can also be really ill-disciplined. Yeah, he can cost you a little bit, can't he? Yeah, um, so, I mean, I, I don't know if Canberra fans have the same opinion of him or not, but I, I imagine if I was following the green machine that I would have mixed feelings about Joey Lalua leaving. Yeah, I mean, I think in 2018 he was still that kind of rocks and diamonds player where he would he would cost you as much as he'd, he'd gain you, but mm. I think in 2019 he was, he was more diamonds. Okay, I honest. like that. You yeah, know what no, I mean? Fair enough. Yeah, no, I th- I'd agree with that. I think he was... Far more disciplined mm. last like year. He didn't, he didn't cost them. Like, you know, there were, there were clangers in like 2018 where they, they lost so many games in the last two, three minutes. Although, arguably, did lose them at GF. Yes. yes I can say there was a couple of really key moments yeah. in that game and they were all Leilua related. That, that, that is true. But, like, I mean, they still got within a whiskey, didn't they? You they know, did, like, yeah. I mean, like, and they, they were split second things. They're not, they're not, they're not, they weren't absolute clangers. I mm. mean, you know, the draw and pass obviously almost qualifies it, but it's, it's such a. It's not like um, you know missing a, a critical try-saving tackle. No, you know. and it wasn't overt disciplinary yeah. issues. You know, yeah. in seasons gone by, mm. Joe Lalua would make your team lose by shoving his penis in the nostril of an opposition player and just repeatedly thrusting. I missed I mean, that. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, the video rest didn't. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so he spent a bit of time on the sideline over the years doing just just daft things that were unnecessary. They weren't even bringing the aggression in the way that was needed. It was. Kind of mm. dog acts, you yeah, know, in the yeah. ruck, throwing a, a bit of a jab here or kneeing on someone's yeah, stu- neck. Stupid yeah. shit like that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think to a degree, Joey Lalua actually did get that out of his game last year. So if the Tigers can actually be the beneficiary of Canberra reining him in, mm. and if anyone, someone made the point online uh, over the weekend that if anyone can rein him in, surely it is Match, Match McGuire, yeah, the, yeah. the ultimate disciplinarian who's... Second only to Hitler <laughs> when it comes to making a team very regimented and do horrendous things. Yeah, underrated coach in the NRL, Hitler. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think he could get the troops moving, you know. Um, he'd go very well on the overseas just, trips to Israel. He would just, um, yeah, he just bite off more than he can chew. <laughs> now, uh, there's just a bit of a turning of the corner moment for the Tigers, who 
I have a, a checkered history here with signings. Um, they managed to sign a good person only fairly recently, and he's left for Parramatta um, in the form of Ryan Madison. He had a, a breakout season, really, for the Tigers last year, yep. and then he fucked off straight away. It was almost as though that's not supposed to happen at the Tigers. Um, this could be a, a bit of a turning of the corner, I would imagine, because I actually think Luciano Lalua, we should talk about mm. him as well, has been very good for the Dragons and has been getting better year on year. The Dragons, on the other hand, they've got to be screaming that yeah. they've, let, they've lost him because yeah. he's one of those few shining lights at a club that's struggling at the moment, surely. Yeah, I think, I think it's a huge positive for, for um, the Tigers because they, it, it also kind of solves that problem that they were... I mean, you know, they, they were nominally trying to sign Luttrell for fullback. That's right. Um, but, you know, Leilu were, in, you know, arguably almost as good uh, at centre and, and maybe, like last year, I think he's probably a little bit more consistent. Luttrell had the better, obviously, in the grand final. Yeah. He, he managed to pull off the flick pass while Leilua didn't. It's been a good recovery after that debacle with, with Mitchell. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And if there's one criticism that's been made of the Tigers over the last couple of years is that they may have just lacked that bit of strike yeah. power out wide. They've, they've always been a decent team, mm. but decent doesn't win your comps, obviously. In fact, it, it makes you finish ninth every year, apparently. Um, so to have a player out there who's a genuine game-breaker, mm. which Leilua is one way or the other. Sometimes he'll break your team. Yeah. Um, but he is a game-breaker, and I think Luciano's going to add a lot of grunt to the pack mm. as well. So for me, I'd say it's a pretty positive move, even though I like making jokes about Joey Leilua. <laughs> Because, you know, I mean, he has had a chicken history off the field as well. That's the reason I tend to be a little bit harsher on him um, because he's done some pretty bad things to women at times. Um, yes. But, you know, forgive and forget to a certain degree. Um, but yeah. I don't know if we should really end, end <laughs> done bad things to women with forgive and forget. <laughs> Somehow I just feel like that's... That's, well, that's, not, that's not going to play well on social media. <laughs> it was very early. I think I am a believer in rehabilitation. That's, all. that's better. I think, I think we'll go with I'm a believer in rehabilitation rather than forgive and forget. Now, we're talking Penrith Panthers, Xander, uh, because we're doing our little thing where we try to examine how a team's going to go in 2020 and we've been going from the bottom of the ladder up to the top of the ladder. We're up to the humble Penrith Panthers who, it must be said, didn't have the happiest season last year. It was certainly a fall from grace on the previous year. Um, we're going to start with you this time. How do you think they're going to fare this year? So I'm on record uh, as saying I thought they'd make six when I put together my... Um a very poorly researched uh, 2020 prediction ladder. Because you've had uh, a bit of a backflip on that, haven't you? <laughs> some parts of it. As I've, as I've actually gone through and tried to like logically look at teams to see how, they've, how they might do based on the, the players they've gained and lost, I've tended to look back at my ladder and go, geez, that was a bit silly. But <laughs> I, I should note for the listeners out there that that, that exercise was largely um, just an excuse for me to, to have South last. Um, <laughs> That's right. Which not sure if anyone with... picked up at the light sarcasm in, in the, uh, the numbering of the, the teams there, but um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't an entirely well-informed list. Let's you just you say. did ca- cause a fair bit of consternation on Twitter <laughs> by putting South. In fact, you, you, you managed to garner a few death threats for the show, which was our first. I quite enjoyed those. One specifically honest. from Russell Crowe. That's you know, right. I thought it blocked me. but um. <laughs> He's still reading you through one of those burner accounts, it seems. <laughs> so, I mean, the Penrith Panthers, I mean, we've, we've touched on the fact that they, they didn't have a happy season last year. And I think one big part of that uh, was because they basically started off the year uh, by turning the club into Pornhub for a month. I don't know if you remember that. There was just leaked videos all over the shop of um, you know sex incidents, some of them leading to alleged crimes. Um, not the kind of platform you want to build into a season. So surely 2020, so far, touch wood, that uh, nothing like that has happened so far. So that should be a good thing, at least. That is a good thing. Um, losing, losing your key playmaker, a um, couple of key forwards, um, Losing, uh, you know, guys like Waka Blake. No Regan Campbell-Gillard. Yeah, no, no Regan Campbell. I mean, you know, he, debatable how much of a loss that is given the form he was in, but their, their losses are more pronounced than their gains uh, as, as far as I can see. You know, yeah, no, no off-field controversy, but, um, hmm. you know, I, I kind of worry about their um, their spine and um, picking up Zane Tedavano is going to help them up front. Like, I think yeah. that's a, that's it's a, a great... It's a good pick-up, that like, that's that that's going to effectively solve the... Like, fill the gap that, uh, you know, Campbell-Gillard... Yeah. Uh, well, right. look, and he wasn't putting in... I mean, last year was a very unhappy season mm. for um, Campbell-Gillard as well, by his own words, I believe. So, Specifically for his moustache. Yeah, I think that alone, mm. right? We made the comment before that he hasn't been right since he broke his jaw yeah. 
Um, in that was I think it was a Roosters game um, a couple of seasons yeah. ago. He's never really come back the same player. This is a guy who's played Origin, so yeah. we know he can be good. Um, and there's also a bit of a, a word behind the scenes that um, Campbell Gillard wasn't exactly a great cultural mix at the Penrith Panthers. Maybe because he wasn't thrusting his penis into a woman's vagina. Um, I'm not sure if that was the reason or not. Um, well, not, at least on, on a mobile phone. I'm really not sure. <laughs> Sorry, I just... <laughs> when you say cultural mix... Um, it's probably not the first thing that comes to mind for me, but but look, let's roll with it. Um, I would have said that that maybe he he looked more like the kind of guy that just wouldn't have copped Nest Cafe, and <laughs> yeah, um, and you know that seems to be more a cultural thing from from out west in my experience. Yeah, fair enough. No offense, Westies. He has hipster written all over him. That bloke, and I just yeah. I just think that that's probably more the um, you know I mean, and um, and look, I'm sure that he enjoys thrusting his penis in, into a, a consensual woman's vagina as as much as the next bloke. Exactly. Um, but I think the coffee's probably more... That's more of a stickling, yeah. stickling point for you. No, fair enough too. And look, uh, as you said, they've got a couple of gains, but uh, let's talk about their losses first. So they've also lost um, James Maloney. Now, for me, this is their mm. biggest loss, one that maybe people tend to underrate a little bit. I think people, because he's so jovial and a bit of a prankster, um, I think people tend to not quite give Maloney his dues when it comes to being how an effective playmaker he mm. is. So it really does stack up a whole lot of pressure on Nathan Cleary. Who people have been saying, you know, he's he's ready to pop. He's getting pretty close. Yeah. People were kind of thinking that might have happened last year. And Arguably, it didn't, it didn't really, yeah. did it? Yeah. I mean, he's he's a good player, but he hasn't burst out yet. Do you think he has the potential, or is he one of these guys that's um, consigned to being overrated? Oh, I, I mean, I think he's too young to to, to start saying that. Um, you know, he has played Origin. He's played a, a, an important part in some big Origin games. Um, but I do I do wonder. How he's going to go without without a mature um, playmaking partner like Maloney out there, who not only you know helps direct traffic and 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 provide that like the the real structure for the side mm. the side, but also I think um, takes a bit of the pressure off the side just because of you know his like he, Maloney Maloney is one games um, for the Panthers during his time there like purely on his on his game management uh, alone. You know when he's when he's on, he's just in- incredible. So I think. I think clearly he's not at that level of maturity to be able to read uh, games to that level and, and make those kinds of mature decisions. Yep. And so I, I just wonder how that's going to play out. I agree with you, mate. And they've got that. I think they're thinking this guy, Jerome Luai, um, is going to be the person who fills that hole. Now, he's been one of these guys. I had a real good look at him last year because he's had a lot of raps on him. And I've been somewhat disappointed by what I've seen. He's an extremely energetic player. Um, he's very uh, reactive, so he thinks he plays a lot off the top of his head. But in terms of having that constructive game management role, he, he's nothing like Maloney. Mm. So that's really going to be all on the shoulders of a Nathan Cleary, you'd imagine, while if he is to be effective, Jerome, then it's going to be more in a running role yeah. where he hopefully tees up something on the edge. But uh, I don't know if he's the guy for that role, that, personally. And that's my concern. Is Basically, what they've done is said that that clearly he's going to be the guy who's going to be the game manager, and I yeah. just that's why I don't, I, I'm a bit concerned. Is I don't know if he's really there yet. Mm. We know he handles pressure. He never seems flustered, mm. but maybe that's part of the problem because when the game's there for that mm. moment to be had, he's sort of been found moving very casually in the back play. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and at Origin level, you could probably argue that uh, he's deferred a lot of that game management to his halves partner, which was Maloney for some portion of that. Mm. So this will have to be the year, I think, where he goes up to another level before people really start criticising him pretty heavily. If he managed to do that, uh, Chin the young, Younger, then Chin the Elder will be very happy with him. Ivan Cleary, speaking of Chin the Elder, is Ivan Cleary still the man for the job? I, I always felt that that was a bad move, bringing him back. Yeah, I, I did tell him that. I think... Like just in, internally within the club, it just felt like such a, a clusterfuck mm-hmm. with all the things that were happening with Gould in the background. I, I don't know what, what really happened there. I mean, there were a lot of sort of stories each way about that, but mm. it, it, it's not good, I think, for a club to have that kind of conflict. Yeah, you know? it struck me as a nil-all draw. Yeah. It was like Gould versus Hook in a match and Gould knifed Hook and then Gould got knifed himself. Yeah, and, and I, then- I think in that situation, it's not so much a draw as both 
losing. Yeah, exactly. You know well, the I mean? club definitely the, lost. The club loses as well because exactly. it's just it's it's. I don't think you. I don't think you instill confidence in the decision making process when that's mm. what happens. I agree with you, mate. And if anything, the Panthers are going to have a level of stability this year. You'd hope mm. that they definitely didn't have last year because you know leading up to last year there were so many promising signs that this was a club on the move. They were a whisker away from making some GFs. Mm. Um, so last year was a major disappointment, and we even saw personal form of a lot of players drop. We had Zelezniak abandon ship yeah, midway mid-season. through the year. Yeah. Gillard didn't give a shit anymore. Um, it, uh, people like Mansour, who had been so brilliant, mm. suddenly look flat and disinterested. Um, I, I really hope that that's sort of a, a hurdle that they're going to leave in the rear vision mirror, but I have some some doubts mm. about it, uh, yeah. particularly because I don't think Ivan is the man for the job. If we're going to move on to something a little bit more positive, the man that I'm looking to this year to be my player's player, uh, who had a great year last year, was Viliami Kikau. I think he's a shining light for the Penrith Panthers. He also blitzed it in the internationals at the end of last year. He's one of these guys that uh, has an unnatural level of ball skill for his size. You know, he almost plays like a 5'8", but he's built like Jared Warrior Hargraves. Yeah, right. Um, And he's faster than him. Um, So he could be absolutely devastating for them. In fact, there's even some talk that he might play some six. That's how talented he is with the ball in his hands. So for me, Kikau could be the one to watch to have uh, the best year on record. What are your thoughts about him? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't follow kick hours closely, so I didn't really even paid, paid that much attention. But that's, that's promising. Um, if, you know, I, I think if, if he's a genuine prospect of playing six and, and can you know, like have a, a stabilizing role, then maybe, maybe they, they have a, a spine that'll make more sense. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope so because I put them at six. And we did also put it out to Twitter that um, we asked how the Penrith Panthers would perform in 2020. 1.3% said they'd be premiership winners. Uh, 28.6% said they'd make the finals. An overwhelming 62.3% said they'd miss the finals. And just under 8% said they'd get the wooden spoon. So, again, um, I don't know if there's a huge amount of optimism in the room for the Penrith Panthers, but I do think they're going to be better than last year, surely. Mm, you'd hope so. So I know we had our agenda all set and ready to go, uh, Eamon, but um, this morning you might have seen there's been some breaking news uh, with Curtis Scott apparently having been arrested overnight uh, for an incident at the SCG. This, Did this he streak? Well, no, but he, 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 he might have left a few streaks um, because apparently he was awoken uh, in the early hours of this morning by a couple of police officers and his first, first reaction was to push one away and then punch the other in the face, as you do. Well, if they're going to wake me up in the middle of the night, I, I think know. that's what they He's deserve. Having a, having a nice nap in the evening, you know, just leave me alone. Did they wake him up in his own home? What happened there? No, he was on the turf of the SCG. Oh, you actually was, no, so they woke him up on the turf? Yeah. What yeah. was he doing there? I think I, I, I can't... Uh, well, I mean, he was sleeping. Um, <laughs> but, but There's a lot of questions so, in this story. So the, the story goes that, yes, he, you know, so he pushed one away and punched the other in the head. So the police did what they would normally do in Australia yep. um, and tasered him. In America, yep. they'd probably have shot him. Or um, bashed him like Rodney yeah, King yeah. if he was black. That's right. He, he's, too, he's too pale for that, so they tasered him. Yep. Um, which, you know, to me, whilst... Um, Troubling is also kind of hilarious, just the image of, of, of Curtis Scott being tasted <laughs> somehow. Um, but, but anyway... Um, so I hear Bellamy used to do that too when he defended Paulie. <laughs> and apparently tasered directly into the testicles too. <laughs> it's the only way they'll learn, mate. <laughs> um, but, so anyway, apparently he spent a bit of time um, locked up over that. Not a great start for his uh, incoming uh, season for, for the Canberra Raiders, who just let Lua go. Um, isn't the timing of this absolutely horrible for the Raiders? So they've just, the day before, officially let go of Lua to the Tigers, their centre, who they wanted to play on this, for this year. They've got Curtis Scott in that same position, think he'll fulfil it. And he's gone ahead and punched a police officer in the head. That's right. Well, allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly. we should say. Um, the funniest thing is, though, that when you read the, the article um, on, the, on the Nine Press, it, it goes through you know, what, what uh, the report of the incident was, him pushing mm. the one officer, punching the other, and then, and then you know, having a, a, an electricity-induced seizure. Then it goes to quote some uh, recent things he's, he'd said in an interview back at the back end of last year. And... Um, it's just funny because he talks about how being much older and and more mature and making better decisions, and you just it's just such a perfect ju- juxtaposition between one of the one of the funnier off-field incidents. Not funny for the police who got punched in the face, you know, 
heroes out there. Yeah, but a great, it's a great drinking story, though, but, isn't it? I but, got punched in the face by the same guy who bashed Dylan Walker. <laughs> I mean, that's something you can go straight to the pub with. And then you tasered him in the balls, so you go, exactly. I got him back. It's but, fine. It, you know, I mean, it, it, it did get me thinking and... and um, you know, we, we, we run these thought bubbles each week. You, you have a, an interesting thought bubble every week. And I, I thought I'd put forward a thought bubble. Oh, I love this. Because my, thought, my, my thoughts are terrible. No, so I, this is great. I, I think that they would genuinely add to the sport, generally speaking. But anyway, here's my thought bubble. I, I, I like the idea of uh, maybe just arming a player each week, you know, in secret. A little bit like the, the, the sort of golden mouth guard thing we spoke about previously. But just to, to sort of add a bit of spice to the defense, mm. you just give one player a taser. Okay, just one out of all of the players. That's right. Okay, and you don't know who has the taser? Exactly. And, each, and, and, and you know, it, it's, it's got to be a defensive set. Okay, um, you, you can't know, obviously, use it when attack. Exactly. I mean, I feel like it would be a bit unfair if, if, if say, Electoral Mitchell could, could be, you know, tasering instead of palming yeah. people. Because you wouldn't right. want the idea to be outrageous. Really. Exactly. I mean, you know, let's, let's keep it within reason. Give it some regulation. Yeah. No, that's great. So, uh, so one player, they hand out the taser randomly. Do that's they? right. What do they do? A lucky dip or something? Something like that. Okay, yeah. right. And I haven't thought that far ahead, actually. But. How can it be administered? That's what I would want to know. So uh, is it something where you can repeatedly shock uh, an opposition player into a cardiac arrest? Or is it just a one-off shot? Okay, and you have to keep it below the neck, assume, because otherwise that would be a head high. You can't do that. Yeah, I think so. I, 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 think, I think for the, um, the purpose of the, the gimmick, let's, let's just say, I don't want to limit it to one zap. I think it should, okay. be, I think it should be repeat. Yeah, fair enough. A good sort of LAPD yeah, zap. That's right. You know, or a Curtis Scott zap. You know. <laughs> As it turns out. <laughs> As it turns out. Wow. Well, I love your idea. And what I particularly love about that is you managed to do a seamless segue from Curtis Scott's arrest into a thought bubble. <laughs> Now, how many volts would you like this taser to be? Standard procedure? I, again, hadn't thought that far ahead. Um, <laughs> should it be a lethal amount of volts? But I think it should be. I think it should be below lethal because I do think we want it. We want the game to continue to have players. No, I love it. And um, look, just to counter your idea there, because we'll have multiple thought bubbles on today's show. My one uh, for this episode uh, was the idea of substitutions. So I thought it'd be a great idea uh, instead of having regular rugby league players come on the field every time. Uh, was for five minutes a match, we sub on a celebrity. So every club would have their own nominated celebrity uh, that they had to put on for a minimum of five minutes. If you wanted to play them the whole match, fair enough. They're allowed to do that. Uh, but presumably, they're not rugby league players. They don't really know about the game and they'd get seriously injured. Well, I do have a question though. You know, the, the, um, the, the celebrities that are going to be subbed on, do they get a say in the matter? No, it's completely non-consensual. Ah, okay. Yeah, so they get abducted in the middle of the night, right. a bit like um, what you do as a Mossad agent. You'd put a yep. big sack over their head, uh, drag them away from their family who are crying, drive them off to, say, Belmore, and you go, by the way, this is kickoff. Get your ass on there. Um, you're now playing prop. I, I would, you, know, you know why this idea speaks to me so much? It's because I, would, I think it would just be fantastic for us to kidnap Russell Crowe for this purpose, have him play in the Roosters up front and just get him to mark a sofa Solomona. Um, wow, so a sofa Solomona could effectively rip his head off uh, faster than a guy in Bali. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the idea of that. So, uh, And the best part, you, just as a bit of a, an ironic punishment, you'd make him play Souths at some point as well, wouldn't you? That would, uh, absolutely. Get him to mark Luttrell. Yeah, you know, like when... Um, <laughs> You know, the owner of a group of hungry dogs gets torn apart by his own canines? A bit like that. Yeah, because yeah. this was the team he built from the ground up, only for Burgesses to stomp on his head. Um, no, I love that idea. And in fact, uh, we loved it so much, we decided, uh, you'd never guess this, we put it out to Twitter. Um, and we gave people four options about which celebrities they'd love to see non-consensually subbed onto a rugby league match. And uh, we had the options of Kevin Rudd, Greta Thunberg, Quentin Bryce... Or Clive Palmer. Now, what an eclectic bunch of people that is, because uh, we wanted to cover all bases. Um, and, Sandra, I'm going to give you the option of guessing, because you don't know the answer to this yet. Who do you think ranked at 52.2%? Oh, uh, I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's a hard one, depending on the demographic of this, but I'm going to go with Clive Palmer. Uh, Clive Palmer came in second, mate. Ah, right. So you kind of know your listeners. That's not bad. 39.1% said Clive. Uh, Quentin Bryce copped a, a big fat... Duck egg, no one went for her. Uh, 9% for Kevin Rudd and overwhelmingly Greta Thunberg, 52.2%. Now, we've also got some commentary below this and for some reasons why Greta was chosen. Right. Uh, this comes from Aaron Ugol at 
ALG247. He said, definitely Greta, just to hear her say, how dare you to the referee when they penalised her. Well, we've come to the end of the show, Xander. Um, it's the time where I get very depressed uh, because we switch the microphones off and I don't get to talk about footy uh, for another uh, probably eight minutes because I talk about it relentlessly to my wife anyway. We'd just like to thank our listeners for hanging in there. Are there any final thoughts you'd like to impart upon our listenership? So my, my final thoughts uh, for the podcast today mm. are that um, if we were to add an additional incentive uh, for fans... Of the game or of us? The, for fans of the game yep. to, to um, uh, stay or to, to attend matches. Really don't know where I'm going with. Um, we, um, <laughs> See you next time. I was, I was about to say. No, I have no final thoughts for this episode of The Voluntary Tackle. Um, well, look, thank you very much for listening, everybody, uh, and managing to get to the end, in, if indeed you are here. Um, big shout-out to you for making it. If you'd like to subscribe and comment on the show, you can on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Google Play, Stitcher, um, iHeartRadio, a few of those other ones, I'm not even sure. Um, but you can also get involved with us on Twitter. Uh, we're at the handle, at Voluntary Tackle. Please uh, reach out with some advice, uh, with some abuse, or even just with a dick pic. It doesn't really matter. Until next time, just do what an angry stingray would do and show the humans who's the boss circa 2006 see you next time (laughs) well that's right before we go today uh we couldn't let everyone leave without our iconic mascot war and uh this time around xander we're going to let you introduce yours and then i'm going to introduce mine and we're going to let them do battle count of three Give us yours. One, two, three. Boston Celtics, Lucky the Leprechaun. Okay, that's shit. Okay, <laughs> I might be in trouble. Uh, mine's the Coogee Coronavirus, um, which think, is kind I of I think Lucky's in trouble, actually. <laughs> I think you win this one. All right. Can you walk us through yours first? Well, he's a leprechaun. Okay, yes. And he's lucky, is he? he well, uh, yeah. Lucky at what? Right. Gambling or does he pick up lots of women? I think, it, I, think it, I think it covers all bases, you know, probably right. lucky in sport, lucky in getting his pot of gold. I um, love it, yep. You yep. know, all, all that kind of thing. You're just lucky in life. Okay, fair enough. Now, when you're lucky, uh, does that assume that you're, you're not universally lucky, right? Even people who are lucky eventually get run over by a tram. No, no, you're universally lucky. Okay, so you're yeah. lucky your entire That's life. That's right, yeah. You can't You never lose. die. So you're invulnerable. Yeah. I think you've got a very unusual interpretation of lucky, Xander. Uh, I don't know if the, lucky covers off on being completely invulnerable to everything. The, the domino from Deadpool form of lucky. Okay, yeah. well, that's going to be obviously a, a tough ass to beat yeah. as a mascot. Now, um, That lucky, said. How has the coronavirus been in Ireland is probably my first question because if it's been fairly prominent or even an isolated case... My Coogee coronavirus mascot might have a chance. So the question I have for you is you've, you've kind of neutered yourself from the get-go there. Okay. It's because the coronavirus that is currently damaging the world is from Wuhan. Yes. What I'm saying is that I think that Lucky's immune system is going to fight you off without a trouble. I oh, have the feeling yeah. that uh, once Lucky catches and is exposed to my Coogee coronavirus, uh, it will make him um, eject all forms of gold through every orifice. Uh, because of, I imagine Leprechaun's bloodstream is just gold. That's, that's right. Um, so they will be... Gold coins as well. ...hemorrhaging from the eyeballs. And eventually he'll asphyxiate on gold coins. I just wanted to say a quick minute's tribute to the life and career of Kobe Bryant, who was tragically killed in a helicopter crash earlier today. I know I speak for everyone when I ask, why couldn't it have been Greg Norman?